All right, I am back yet again another day. Today is the 19th. It is like 5 o'clock p.m. Central Time, so information you might hear on this podcast may change by the time you hear it. But I want to get into a couple of things. Trump did a farewell speech. I want to play the full thing so you can hear it because you can't hear it anywhere else. Trump can't post it, so I want to I want to share it with you guys. It's like 20 minutes long, but you guys need to hear it. It's a really good speech. But I wanted to talk about uh, he is going to be pardoning um, 100 people. That list has yet to be released. I can't find it anywhere. Um, but I wanted to talk about that and talk about the Pamela Anderson situation. She was on Tucker Carlson the other night. I wanted to play that clip. Also, there are schools that are not going to air the inauguration tomorrow in fear of something might happen. And also, there's some other things I want to get into as well. But yesterday was a catch-up episode. Last night was a catch-up episode, or whenever you watched that episode. I finally got my YouTube channel, my main YouTube channel, back this morning. Um, it usually takes about a full day to process or something, but I am not posting any content on that channel um, until at least March. So, subscribe to the podcast, to the RSS feed, subscribe to Rumble. All the links are in the description below. Just click that link and you'll take you to the channel. Hit subscribe wherever you get the video or the podcast or whatever. If you want to support the podcast, um, you can head over to okiepatriot76.com and pick yourself some coffee. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's really good coffee. It's It's like I'll never buy coffee in the store ever again. First of all, I have like four bags, four or five bags in the cabinet of coffee. And um, anyway, I just wanted to let you guys know about that. Um, if you want to support the podcast and keep these videos going, and the it also helps the social media platform. People are already joining that. So I appreciate that. People are still signing up for that. So if you haven't signed up for 76social.net, uh, you can head over there. I, I post exclusive content um, over there. So anyway, I wanted to share this. Caleb Hull, uh put this on Twitter today about an hour ago. And uh, if you're if you're watching, you can see this. But if you're listening, I want to kind of explain it the best I can. But these are these are like four pictures that kind of define Trump's presidency. And here is the meme. This has been turned into several memes. And man, like, I know Biden is going to be a meme machine, but there's something about Trump I'm going to miss, you know? I just, ah, it just, it sucks, man. I've been, like, this past week, it really hit me. I'm like, man, next week, Trump is not going to be the president. And I know, I know there's some, some cute people still. I talked to one earlier, and he's like... Like he sent me this clip of the of this army guy talking on CBS or NBC or, or ABC or whatever it was, and he's like, "Oh, he said a peaceful transition to the military, dude. Just give it up." And even people in the MAGA movement, I'm really proud to see people in the Turning Point MAGA movement come out and go, "We need to just, you know, move on." So, um, it's but it's going to be hard. I, I totally understand. But th this first picture is of him yelling at the kid mowing the lawn on the White House. And this is the famous picture of him ordering Big Macs and uh, Wendy's and, and all that kind of stuff for the football players. I think that was in Florida or, yeah, from Florida, Alabama. Uh, here is him staring up at the sun at the eclipse. That was like 2017 or 18. I don't know. I can't remember. Here is the one recently, and that is kind of the defining moment. I think if a picture had to describe a, a president, I think this right here is it. Um, he worked so hard for the um, American people, and I just want to say thank you. And I don't agree with everything that he did, but um, he was, he's going to, um, you know, I don't even know. I don't even want to know what he's going to go through after he gets out of office legally and they're going to try to lock this guy up. It's just, I mean, 
and uh, it's just it's just sad, man. But I I want to play this 19 minute long, almost 20 minute long video of Trump's speech. If you want to hear it, here it is. My fellow Americans, four years ago we launched a great national effort to rebuild our country, to renew its spirit and to restore the allegiance of this government to its citizens. In short, we embarked on a mission to make America great again for all Americans. As I conclude my term as the 45th President of the United States, I stand before you truly proud of what we have achieved together. We did what we came here to do, and so much more. This week, we inaugurate a new administration and pray for its success in keeping America safe and prosperous. We extend our best wishes, and we also want them to have luck, a very important word. I'd like to begin by thanking just a few of the amazing people who made our remarkable journey possible. First, let me express my overwhelming gratitude for the love and support of our spectacular First Lady, Melania. Let me also share my deepest appreciation to my daughter, Ivanka, my son-in-law, Jared, and to Baron, Don, Eric, Tiffany, and Lara. You fill my world with light and with joy. I also want to thank Vice President Mike Pence, his wonderful wife, Karen, and the entire Pence family. Thank you as well to my Chief of Staff, Mark Meadows, the dedicated members of the White House staff, and the Cabinet, and all of the incredible people across our administration who poured out their heart and soul to fight for America. I also want to take a moment to thank a truly exceptional group of people, the United States Secret Service. My family and I will forever be in your debt. My profound gratitude as well to everyone in the White House military office, the teams of Marine One and Air Force One, every member of the armed forces, and state and local law enforcement all across our country. Most of all, I want to thank the American people. To serve as your president has been an honor beyond description. Thank you for this extraordinary privilege. And that's what it is, a great privilege and a great honor. We must never forget that while Americans will always have our disagreements, we are a nation of incredible, decent, faithful, and peace-loving citizens who all want our country to thrive and flourish and be very, very successful and good. We are a truly magnificent nation. All Americans were horrified by the assault on our capital. Political violence is an attack on everything we cherish as Americans. It can never be tolerated. Now more than ever, we must unify around our shared values and rise above the partisan rancor and forge our common destiny. Four years ago, I came to Washington as the only true outsider ever to win the presidency. I had not spent my career as a politician, but as a builder looking at open skylines and imagining infinite possibilities. I ran for president because I knew there were towering new summits for America just waiting to be scaled. I knew the potential for our nation was boundless as long as we put America first. So I left behind my former life and stepped into a very difficult arena, but an arena nevertheless with all sorts of potential, if properly done. America had given me so much, and I wanted to give something back. Together with millions of hardworking patriots across this land, we built the greatest political movement in the history of our country. We also built the greatest economy in the history of the world. It was about America first because we all wanted to make America great again. We restored the principle that a nation exists to serve its citizens. Our agenda was not about right or left. It wasn't about Republican or Democrat, but about the good of a nation. And that means the whole nation. With the support and prayers of the American people, we achieved more than anyone thought possible. Nobody thought we could even come close. We passed the largest package of tax cuts and reforms in American history. 
we slashed more job-killing regulations than any administration had ever done before. We fixed our broken trade deals, withdrew from the horrible Trans-Pacific Partnership and the impossible Paris Climate Accord, renegotiated the one-sided South Korea deal, and we replaced NAFTA with the groundbreaking USMCA — that's Mexico and Canada — a deal that's worked out very, very well. Also, and very importantly, we imposed historic and monumental tariffs on China, made a great new deal with China. But before the ink was even dry, we and the whole world got hit with the China virus. Our trade relationship was rapidly changing. Billions and billions of dollars were pouring into the U.S., but the virus forced us to go in a different direction. The whole world suffered, but America outperformed other countries economically because of our incredible economy and the economy that we built. Without the foundations and footings, it wouldn't have worked out this way. We wouldn't have some of the best numbers we've ever had. We also unlocked our energy resources and became the world's number one producer of oil and natural gas, by far. Powered by these policies, we built the greatest economy in the history of the world. We reignited America's job creation and achieved record-low unemployment for African-Americans, Hispanic Americans, Asian-Americans, women, almost everyone. Income soared, wages boomed, the American dream was restored, and millions were lifted from poverty in just a few short years. It was a miracle. Stock market set one record after another, with 148 stock market highs during this short period of time, and boosted the retirements and pensions of hardworking citizens all across our nation. 401ks are at a level they've never been at before. We've never seen numbers like we've seen. And that's before the pandemic and after the pandemic. We rebuilt the American manufacturing base, opened up thousands of new factories, and brought back the beautiful phrase, made in the USA. To make life better for working families, we doubled the child tax credit and signed the largest ever expansion of funding for child care and development. We joined with the private sector to secure commitments to train more than 16 million American workers for the jobs of tomorrow. When our nation was hit with the terrible pandemic, we produced not one, but two vaccines with record-breaking speed, and more will quickly follow. They said it couldn't be done, but we did it. They called it a medical miracle, and that's what they're calling it right now, a medical miracle. Another administration would have taken three, four, five, maybe even up to 10 years to develop a vaccine, we did it in nine months. We grieve for every life lost, and we pledge in their memory to wipe out this horrible pandemic once and for all. When the virus took its brutal toll on the world's economy, we launched the fastest economic recovery our country has ever seen. We passed nearly $4 trillion in economic relief, saved or supported over 50 million jobs, and slashed the unemployment rate in half. These are numbers that our country has never seen before. We created choice and transparency in healthcare, stood up to Big Pharma in so many ways, but especially in our effort to get favored nations clauses added, which will give us the lowest prescription drug prices anywhere in the world. We passed VA choice, VA accountability, right to try, and landmark criminal justice reform. We confirmed three new justices of the United States Supreme Court. We appointed nearly 300 federal judges to interpret our Constitution as written. For years, the American people pleaded with Washington to finally secure the nation's borders. I am pleased to say we answered that plea and achieved the most secure border in U.S. history. We have given our brave border agents and heroic ICE officers the tools they need to do their jobs better than they have ever done before, 
and to enforce our laws and keep America safe. We proudly leave the next administration with the strongest and most robust border security measures ever put into place. This includes historic agreements with Mexico, Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador, along with more than 450 miles of powerful new wall. We restored American strength at home and American leadership abroad. The world respects us again. Please don't lose that respect. We reclaimed our sovereignty by standing up for America at the United Nations and withdrawing from the one-sided global deals that never served our interests. And NATO countries are now paying hundreds of billions of dollars more than when I arrived just a few years ago. It was very unfair. We were paying the cost for the world. Now the world is helping us. And perhaps most importantly of all, with nearly $3 trillion, we fully rebuilt the American military, all made in the USA. We launched the first new branch of the United States Armed Forces in 75 years, the Space Force. And last spring, I stood at Kennedy Space Center in Florida and watched as American astronauts returned to space on American rockets for the first time in many, many years. We revitalized our alliances and rallied the nations of the world to stand up to China like never before. We obliterated the ISIS caliphate and ended the wretched life of its founder and leader, al-Baghdadi. We stood up to the oppressive Iranian regime and killed the world's top terrorist, Iranian butcher Qasem Soleimani. We recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel and recognized Israeli sovereignty over the Golan Heights. As a result of our bold diplomacy and principled realism, we achieved a series of historic peace deals in the Middle East. Nobody believed it could happen. The Abraham Accords opened the doors to a future of peace and harmony, not violence and bloodshed. It is the dawn of a new Middle East, and we are bringing our soldiers home. I am especially proud to be the first president in decades who has started no new wars. Above all, we have reasserted the sacred idea that in America, the government answers to the people. Our guiding light, our North Star, our unwavering conviction has been that we are here to serve the noble, everyday citizens of America. Our allegiance is not to the special interests, corporations, or global entities. It's to our children, our citizens, and to our nation itself. As President, my top priority my constant concern has always been the best interests of American workers and American families. I did not seek the easiest course. By far, it was actually the most difficult. I did not seek the path that would get the least criticism. I took on the tough battles, the hardest fights, the most difficult choices, because that's what you elected me to do. Your needs were my first and last unyielding focus. This, I hope, will be our greatest legacy. Together, we put the American people back in charge of our country. We restored self-government. We restored the idea that in America, no one is forgotten because everyone matters and everyone has a voice. We fought for the principle that every citizen is entitled to equal dignity, equal treatment, and equal rights because we are all made equal by God. Everyone is entitled to be treated with respect, to have their voice heard, and to have their government listen. You are loyal to your country, and my administration was always loyal to you. We worked to build a country in which every citizen could find a great job and support their wonderful families. We fought for the communities where every American could be safe, and schools where every child could learn. We promoted a culture where our laws would be upheld, our heroes honored, our history preserved, and law-abiding citizens are never taken for granted. Americans should take tremendous satisfaction in all that we have achieved together. It's incredible. Now, as I leave the White House, I have been reflecting on the dangers that threaten the priceless inheritance we all share. As the world's most powerful nation, America faces constant threats and challenges from abroad.
But the greatest danger we face is a loss of confidence in ourselves, a loss of confidence in our national greatness. A nation is only as strong as its spirit. We are only as dynamic as our pride. We are only as vibrant as the faith that beats in the hearts of our people. No nation can long thrive that loses faith in its own values, history, and heroes, for these are the very sources of our unity and our vitality. What has always allowed America to prevail and triumph over the great challenges of the past has been an unyielding and unashamed conviction in the nobility of our country and its unique purpose in history. We must never lose this conviction. We must never forsake our belief in America. The key to national greatness lies in sustaining and instilling our shared national identity. That means focusing on what we have in common, the heritage that we all share. At the center of this heritage is also a robust belief in free expression, free speech, and open debate. Only if we forget who we are and how we got here could we ever allow political censorship and blacklisting to take place in America. It's not even thinkable. Shutting down free and open debate violates our core values and most enduring traditions. In America, we don't insist on absolute conformity or enforce rigid orthodoxies and punitive speech codes. We just don't do that. America is not a timid nation of tame souls who need to be sheltered and protected from those with whom we disagree. That's not who we are. It will never be who we are. For nearly 250 years, in the face of every challenge, Americans have always summoned our unmatched courage, confidence, and fierce independence. These are the miraculous traits that once led millions of everyday citizens to set out across a wild continent and carve out a new life in the Great West. It was the same profound love of our God-given freedom that willed our soldiers into battle and our astronauts into space. As I think back on the past four years, one image rises in my mind above all others. Whenever I traveled all along the motorcade route, there were thousands and thousands of people. They came out with their families so that they could stand as we passed and proudly wave our great American flag. It never failed to deeply move me. I knew that they did not just come out to show their support of me. They came out to show me their support and love for our country. This is a republic of proud citizens who are united by our common conviction that America is the greatest nation in all of history. We are and must always be a land of hope, of light, and of glory to all the world. This is the precious inheritance that we must safeguard at every single turn. For the past four years, I have worked to do just that. From a great hall of Muslim leaders in Riyadh to a great square of Polish people in Warsaw, from the floor of the Korean Assembly to the podium at the United Nations General Assembly, and from the Forbidden City in Beijing to the shadow of Mount Rushmore, I fought for you, I fought for your family, I fought for our country. Above all, I fought for America and all it stands for. And that is safe, strong, proud, and free. Now, as I prepare to hand power over to a new administration at noon on Wednesday, I want you to know that the movement we started is only just beginning. There's never been anything like it. The belief that a nation must serve its citizens will not dwindle, but instead only grow stronger by the day. As long as the American people hold in their hearts deep and devoted love of country, then there is nothing that this nation cannot achieve. Our communities will flourish. Our people will be prosperous. Our traditions will be cherished. Our faith will be strong. And our future will be brighter than ever before. I go from this majestic place with a loyal and joyful heart, an optimistic spirit, and a supreme confidence that for our country and for our children, the best is yet to come. Thank you and farewell. 
God bless you. God bless the United States of America. All right, so let's talk about um, Trump partying, uh, pardoning. I'm sorry, I can't talk today. Trump is going to pardon 100 people before tomorrow. Now, this I, I can't find an updated list uh, that's 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 more recent than this one. Um, the uh, oh my God, dude. So let's talk about this. Trump is going to pardon 100 people before tomorrow. And I, and, um, I can't find the list anywhere. It hasn't been released yet, um, at the time of this recording. So but there's going to be a hundred people on this list and it's going to be released before noon tomorrow. So maybe, maybe like released tonight in the middle of the night. Maybe, I, I don't know. I don't know. But, um, a lot of people are wanting him to pardon Julian Assange and Edward Snowden. But it says here, lawmakers have asked Trump not to pardon him or them, the, uh, those two people. And so uh, I put on Twitter or put on uh, social media, actually 76social.net last night. I said, um, if Trump pardons little Wayne, like, like he's talking about pardon little Wayne and Joe, Joe Exotic. And who knows if those names are on that list, but that's kind of the talk is little Wayne and Joe Exotic. If Trump pardons those people over the people who really matter, which is Julian Assange and Edward Snowden, now a lot of people are calling them a traitor, whatever. You can have your opinion. I think that, especially uh, Julian Assange, absolutely. Edward Snowden did a like heroic thing. If you haven't watched that movie um, on Netflix and listened to... You know some of the stuff he talks about. Um, I don't agree with everything he says, but I think that for the most part, um, he did a very heroic thing, and they both did. Um, and I said on social media, I said if Trump doesn't pardon these people, I lose all respect for him, especially if he does those people or uh, does uh, Joe Exotic and Little Wayne, and not these people. And a huge advocate for this is Pamela Anderson. Of all people, like, like, of all people, Pamela Anderson is advocating for this. So she was on Tucker, uh, I guess last night. I don't know. I don't know for sure. I guess yesterday or the day before. Um, but I want to play this clip from Tucker. Here we go. Well, it doesn't happen that much when everyone in Washington agrees with one another on something. But when it does, ooh. When Democrats, Republicans, and the media all sound alike, all sing the same song from the same hymnal, when Nancy Pelosi talks about Venezuelan coups like the neocon she actually is, you ought to be nervous about that. Institutional Washington is by far at its most dangerous when there's consensus, when it stops reflecting the will of the voters and starts defending its own interests without any opposition whatsoever. There may be no issue that unites the establishment wings of both political parties, other than fighting pointless wars, more than this issue, and it's, here it is. Leaking classified information that hurts the permanent political class is a grave threat to national security. It must be stamped out. But leaking classified information that helps the permanent political class is an act of good faith. Son, you're getting a Pulitzer for that. So there was no problem when the FBI told the Washington Post that that diabolical Vladimir Putin was secretly running our government. That was a lie, but not a problem. Or when the CIA director gave classified information to the producers of Zero Dark Thirty, because that's Hollywood and they're our friends. But when those leaks implicate the people in charge, oh, it's a national crisis and someone needs to go to jail. And often people do go to jail. Julian Assange, for example, he's rotting away in a prison in London right now. Why? He published information that the U.S. government wanted to keep secret, not to protect us, but to protect themselves. Footage of an American helicopter gunning down 18 people in Iraq, including, by the way, two journalists from Reuters. He also publicized emails exposing corruption at the very highest levels of the DNC. Bernie Sanders voters may have been grateful for that. They got completely shafted and wouldn't have known it. Now they do. And that infuriated the people who run Washington. Just to be clear, Julian Assange did not hack servers at the U.S. Army, the Pentagon, the DNC. No, he reported on those servers. That's called journalism, which, by the way, real journalism, not much left. It's all under attack. Trust us. So for doing that, for humiliating both our elected leaders and the media class, Julian Assange's life has been destroyed. 
He's been locked away for almost a decade. This case is not about espionage. He didn't commit espionage. He's not a traitor. He's not American. This case is about criminalizing freedom of speech. The mother of Julian Assange's children came on this show last year and made that point very succinctly. Watch. Julian is the foremost, perhaps the foremost um, free speech campaigner uh, alive in the West, and he's imprisoned. And does the president, yes. president want that to be his legacy, or does he want to, you know, ensure that the First Amendment survives this trial and uh, survives by, you know, pardoning him and not having this trial? No one who works on this show ever imagined we'd be where we are now, which is, in effect, defending Julian Assange. But the truth is we're not defending Julian Assange. We're defending something that is actually under attack, that is actually precious to every American, and that is going away faster than we ever thought it could, and that's the freedom of speech. He reported things they don't like, they threw him in jail. If it happened to him, why couldn't it happen to you again? Speak slowly so we can understand. And if that doesn't convince you, consider the case of another person we've also had on the show quite a bit, a very decent man, by the way, called John Kirikou. He's a 15-year veteran of the CIA. He led some of the military's most important raids in Pakistan during his career, risked his life for the country. But then in 2007, he did something that destroyed his life. He confirmed something on the record that no one else in government was willing to admit at the time, that the U.S. Army was, in fact, waterboarding, torturing prisoners. Now, you may support that or you may not, but if you're an American citizen who pays for all this stuff, why don't you have a right to know that? Now, the DOJ at the time did not think John Kirk, who had committed a crime, what he said was true. He was treated as a whistleblower, which he was, agree with him or not. But five years later, the CIA, which was still furious about it, told the Obama administration, which was in the habit of obeying the CIA, to reopen that case and punish John Kirikou. So they did, and of course they found a crime. It's not hard for prosecutors to find a crime when they're bent on retribution, meant to encourage the others. So John Kirikou went to prison for two years. He can no longer, to this day, a man who served his country for 15 years, defend his family with a firearm because he's a convicted felon. They'll give him his voting rights back, but not the right to defend his family. So here's why we're telling you this. The president, on his last day in office, is expected to announce a series of pardons before he leaves on Wednesday. Some news reports tell us that he will pardon the rapper Lil Wayne on a firearm charge. We don't know if that's true or not. We don't even have an opinion on that. But we do know if he wants a lasting historical effect on this country in the closing days of his administration, he can achieve a major victory for the principles that this country was founded on and that make it a good place to live. And the first one of those is freedom of the press, freedom of speech. No one else in the media feels like arguing for it. It doesn't matter. It's still true and we should still defend it. And he should pardon Julian Assange and he should pardon John Kirikou. Pamela Anderson is an actress. She's also pretty well-versed, very well-versed on this subject. She's been in close contact with Julian Assange, and we thought we'd like to hear from her tonight. Pamela Anderson, thank you for coming on. Why should the president well, pardon Julian Assange? Well, I, well, like you said, it's, it's freedom of the press, freedom of speech. If we don't have that, we don't have a, a democracy. And I, I really thank you for what you're saying. And, um, and, and I think, like you said, this is a defining moment for the president. This has, the entire world wants him to pardon or most of the world wants him to pardon Julian Assange. This would mean, this is why he's president. This is, I think, the defining moment. This is his time to shine, to really um, make an impression on the world that this was um, a freedom of speech. Because if this goes to trial, that's the end of the First Amendment. And I just think that this is so serious and so important that he needs to, that pardon is sitting on his desk. And I'm sure there is a lot going on behind the scenes where people are maybe um, bullying him a little bit because, you know, there's, there's the impeachment and there's a couple, couple probably cranky um, Republican senators that are um, uh, negotiating with this. And he needs to do the right thing. This is one of those moments in history in his lifetime, too, that he needs to make the right decision. And so it's all up to, you know, President Trump. But he would really gain a huge following and a huge um, sigh of relief and gratefulness for so many people on the planet. And I just think that this is so important and this is something he needs to, he needs to do. He absolutely needs to do this. And I'm just saying, just, just do it. You know, just, Julian is I so hope, important to free speech. Hope, He's a free speech hero. I, I think, I think the principle is worth defending and I appreciate your coming on tonight. Pamela Anderson, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Pardoning Lil Wayne, some Medicare fraud criminal from Florida. Don't degrade yourself in the way out. Don't degrade your voters. Make a statement in our defense.
defend the Bill of Rights. She also went on Twitter last night and did these speech things talking about like a little clip at a time. There was like six or seven of them. I'm going to insert them here so you can hear what she had to say. And uh, here it is. The country is going through its worst free speech crisis in living memory. Private companies and corporations have decided to silence the President of the United States. And these companies have way too much power that threaten the very democracy of the United States. This is a critical moment. Julian is the foremost influential critic of these companies and has been for many years. I know if there's one thing that Julian cares about, it's the First Amendment and its freedom of speech. Freedom of speech is a fundamental building block of a democratic society. And what has happened over the recent weeks is a very serious assault on American democracy, on free speech, and Julian is a free speech hero. Right now, um, the US is in desperate need of Julian's voice. He's unmatched by anyone else. No one as much as he can influence the debate around social media platforms power, how they are silencing voices they don't agree with, and how they have merged with certain interests in the US. It's a critical moment and it's not about right or left or whether or who you support right now or who's gonna be in government in a week's time. It's about the very culture and the future of American democracy. And that's something the president is fully aware of. I really think that the president in his heart wants to pardon Julian, but people from the deep state, the, the worst people in the deep state that are trying to stop it from happening are hopefully not going to succeed. It would be the best thing for the country and deep down the president knows that that's true. The microphone of the president has been silenced and so he might not be able to see the incredible avalanche of support there is for Julian's pardon from everyone, from all sides of politics. It's obvious to everyone that's looking on Twitter and everywhere. There's um, widespread support from all quarters. And the only people that don't want this to happen are the worst of the worst from the national security establishment. Also, Joe Rogan commented on this situation, and here's what he had to say in one of the recent episodes of the podcast. Julian Assange is literally been tortured. I mean, the guy was locked in that embassy for how many years with no exposure to daylight, just completely trapped. And you've seen videos of him skateboarding around the, the embassy. I mean, it looks like he's going crazy in there. And now he's in jail and on trial. Uh, the, the whole thing is, it's so disturbing because, what, you know, when it, when it boils down to, like, what, what did he do that is illegal? What did he do that people disagree with that people in the united states disagree with in terms of the citizens well he, ex he exposed her horrific crimes he exposed things that were uh, deeply uh, that were that the united states citizens are deeply opposed to and the fact that that is something that you in this country can be uh, prosecuted for, that they would try to extradite you and, and drag you from another country. They, they'd kick him out of the embassy and bring him back to the United States to try him for that. It seems like we're talking about some kangaroo court. It seems like we're talking about some some dictatorship where you know you, you have these uh, no protection of freedom of speech, no protection of, under the First Amendment, no, no protection under the, the rights of the press. So yeah, um, I think that Trump needs to pardon those people, especially Julian Assange. Um, you know, it's just it's just a sad deal. And and like I said, if he doesn't do that, then and it looks like he's not going to. Um, I'm going to lose all respect for Trump. I'm sorry. I'm not a Trump loyalist. I'm not a MAGA person. I'm just a guy who has an opinion. And if you don't like it, I'm sorry. But I'm still a conservative. I've still voted for Trump. But sometimes you can support people and not support a couple of things that they that they that they did or didn't do. So um, that's just my opinion. I'm sorry. Um, so yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Who do you think Trump should pardon? Comment down below, or who do you think Trump should uh, should go should uh, let go? Uh, now he can't. Like, there's a lot of talks going on right now talking about pardon him himself a lot of people are against that i think that's a i mean i want him to be pardoned but at the same time you're admitting guilt 
based off of the January 6th deal. Also, he said members of his family is out as well. Um, there are also talks about Rudy Giuliani and, um, you know, people that are close to Trump that he might pardon. Who knows? Who knows what's on this list? But I really hope that Julian Assange and Edward Snowden is on that list. I really do. Because uh, it's, it's just crazy, dude. But anyway, that's that. All right, so earlier today I saw this video on somebody's story. And I don't know if you know this guy. This guy is into QAnon. He's like a Q guy. Um, now, I already said my piece about the QAnon deal. But I think what this guy has to say has a... Like, he has a point. So I want to play this video. Basically, it's really weird what they're telling these teachers uh, to do tomorrow. I just uh, want to read something to you all that uh, got my attention and uh, <clears throat> put this together in your own mind. Um, it's very telling to me. We already know school systems are basically indoctrination camps. Um, controlled by the deep state. We understand that already. Um, so here's some things that came in that that I, I just found to be very telling. A friend sent this to me regarding, uh, I guess they're out of California, and uh, all the teachers got this message. And, and it says urgent, inauguration day restricted. So they're restricting the viewing of inauguration day. Prohibit viewing of a live broadcast of the inauguration on Wednesday. Please do not broadcast Wednesday on any form of media, radio, computer, etc. The 59th inaugural ceremony, do not broadcast the 59th inaugural ceremonies to your class. This is due to the risk of violence that faces our nation during the ceremonies and the tense and stressful images of high security. Flashback to last week's DC riot and unsettling journalists commentaries. Be careful as well not to shout out or emotionally respond in your class to any emergency announcement. <laughs> you may become aware of. I mean, this is crazy. We must maintain a secure and stable environment to, for our children. You are encouraged to show a vetted replay of the inauguration at a later time during the week. Please prepare your classes for this momentous occasion, as we are sure you have planned to do. Students should know who is being sworn in as our national leaders and become familiar with their faces. Review what a president does, the role of vice president, term of office, and more, the branches of government, and review the inauguration ceremony itself. They're basically telling teachers how, what to tell the children? Something's happening. What? Something. I, this doesn't make no sense. They're actually telling them to prohibit the live broadcast of the inauguration. Please do not broadcast Wednesday on any form of media, radio, computer, etc. And then they're reaffirming. They're telling them to reaffirm to the children who our leaders are and become familiar with their faces. This is insanity. But you are encouraged to show a vetted replay of the inauguration at a later time. What are they scared of? What are they scared of? What's going on here? This is, this is bananas. I cannot believe we're living in this time. Then add that to Pentagon has deployed hundreds of active duty troops for inauguration security, including service members with expertise in handling chemical, biological, nuclear, radiological, explosives, and medical teams skilled in trauma response. Now ask yourself, there was a, a small fire today out by the Capitol. Was that a beta test? Was that a test? They used the intercom systems, didn't they? What are they, something, it doesn't add up. None of this adds up. What I think is they've caught wind of probably 
Trump's next move and they're trying to limit the audience. They're going to try to, and then they're basically telling this guy, ignore the emergency broadcast system. Be careful as well not to shout out or emotionally respond in your class to any emergency announcement. Let me read that again. Be careful as well not to shout out or emotionally respond in your class to any emergency announcement you become aware of. They're telling them to ignore the emergency broadcast. They're telling them to ignore, that's illegal. That's fucking illegal. This is insanity. Reading this all right here. It's a mass email. So you can go check that out on his uh, on his Instagram at David Rodriguez Official if you want to go uh, check out the full video. Um, he, I think he got the point, but I was like, "There's no way this is happening." I couldn't find I couldn't find the California situation, but I did find a story out of Texas. North Texas school districts issue guidelines for viewing inauguration in classrooms, and so I want to play this video. And they talk about some weird stuff that they will have to follow. Now, before I get into that, I, I, I forgot to mention that this did happen in 2017. When I Googled this story, it, a couple of stories from 2017 popped up saying that teachers refused to let their students view Trump's inauguration. Probably some art teacher. <laughs> anyway... I, I have nothing against art teachers, but I'm just saying probably who that was. But this is the first time that school districts and schools made their student or like made their entire school not participate. Like I remember watching the um, uh, watching um, Obama's inauguration and it was a huge deal. It was a huge deal, man. But here is the news clip from North Texas, Dallas area. So here it is. No, ISD will not allow students to watch the presidential inauguration on TV this week. What used to be the living history lesson of the day is changing in area schools. Education reporter Wayne Carter tells us what districts are now doing. A teacher in Keller ISD shared this note from her principal saying the inauguration will be taped so the district has gone through it and edited it down just to the swearing in. We will not not have the option to show it live. And then this note from Plano ISD saying they weren't live streaming the inauguration at all to ensure equitable access and learning experiences and protecting students from potential unforeseen disruptions. Why, why are our senses heightened for this particular inauguration versus, versus any other ones? John Buckner got the email over the weekend and said it just didn't sit right with him. My question when I received that email or that communication was, who is this protecting? What, who are we trying to protect or um, who benefits from the ability to opt out of this of this event. Anastasia Taylor specializes in child psychology. She says schools are in a tough position. The angry mob that attacked the Capitol this month prompted so many questions from kids, but most were home on break. Handling that in the classroom is tougher. Is there the possibility for there to be violence or something that could negatively traumatize a child Despite the note we saw, Keller ISD did say some schools will air the inauguration, but parents will be allowed to opt their kids out, something they say they've done for all recent inaugurations. Being able to see conflict and discuss, do we agree or not agree with how the conflict was handled, um, how people were voicing their disagreements, and having an open conversation about how to appropriately handle disagreements and conflict, I think that's a great opportunity for educators. Fort Worth ISD told us they're still coming up with a plan on how to handle Inauguration Day. Dallas and Arlington have not gotten back to us. Wayne Carter. So that's pretty interesting. What are they editing out of the inauguration? Now, I understand they're guarding students, little kids. I totally understand little kids from seeing that, 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 um, 
you know, I totally understand that. It's kind of hard to explain what happened to a little kid on January 6th, but I think as an American, you should be able to, like, like it should be, like, it doesn't really matter who's being sworn in, you need to be watching that, because it's, it's part of American history. I did it with Obama. I watched, you know, Obama, you know, growing up. And it was just like, wow, this is crazy. Like, this is awesome. Um, and so it's very interesting. And, you know, if your kids doesn't, like, if you don't want your kids seeing it, then maybe you should opt your kid out. But uh, it's very weird. They're not showing it live. Very odd. Very weird. And they're going to be editing stuff out. That's very strange. Very strange. So I want to end the show on this. Um, I saw this on Twitter, obviously, uh, today, and I wanted to share. And one of the things that is going to not happen with Joe Biden is you're not going to see stuff like this. Here is, if you're listening to the podcast, I'm showing a video from Japan, and they have a huge Trump head, and they, and they have his head on a on a uh, on a piece of wood and they're carrying the 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 wood on this platform or they're treating him like a king basically and there is Trump supporters all over the world they're not going to see that with Joe Biden you're going to see very little, I mean, I don't even think Americans support Joe Biden. Here's some more, here's a different angle. Four more years of Trump. This is from Japan on the 17th of January of this year. People wearing camouflage Trump hats over in Japan. Like, that's crazy. That's so freaking crazy. Here's uh, some pictures. Uh, maybe let's see what this video is. This person right here looks like she, they have a Trump wig on or something. Wow. Uh, is there any more videos? That there's that video. Uh, yeah, but that's that's cool, man. Um, what what is this? So, so, so I don't know what they're saying there, but they're they're definitely happy about Trump. They're waving American flags. They they have they have "Make America Great Again" mask and hats on. Um, I mean, this is this is amazing. This is something that you're not going to see with Biden, like I said, and it's it's probably one of been like it's probably one of the coolest things about about being in the Trump movement, you get to see stuff like this, and it's kind of like a worldwide thing. Everybody kind of comes together. And here is some... So, I don't know if you saw this Fields of Honor thing, Fields of Flags, um, basically representing all 50 states up in the Lincoln Memorial, and let me see, this person on Twitter is like, 20 bucks says this was designed by somebody from China, so here's a picture of it, and uh, I saw the mayor of Oklahoma City, which I cannot stand, um, and I don't really care because I don't live in Oklahoma City, but he said, I spy Oklahoma in the 46th position among the stunning field of flags on the National Mall in the night. This looks like something out of China. Like, it's, it's just really, like, it's really, it's really crazy, man. Really crazy, man. But um, we'll just have to see, man, what happens tomorrow. And 
pray for this country and, you know, pray for, uh, I mean, these are really stunning pictures. I mean, look at, look at this, uh, 200,000 flags basically representing how many people have died and stuff like that during COVID. Um, but these are, these are really stunning pictures. I've been to Washington DC once. It's a really wonderful place. I didn't get to do everything that I wanted to, but it was, I had a lot of fun there. It was really stunning pictures. So, um, anyway, so I want to get into the last video of this podcast and kind of show you my favorite video of Trump. And uh, there's a lot of favorite videos, a lot of favorite speeches, there's a lot of favorite quotes. He will definitely be missed. But this is one of the videos that defines Trump as president. He always put the military, always put this country first. Something that I don't think Joe Biden will do at all. Um, but we'll just have to see. Maybe he won't do anything. But uh, this is one of my favorite videos. And it really defines who Trump was. So if you're listening, that video is of the, uh, whatever he was getting on Air Force One and the Marine dropped his hat, the hat, the wind blew his hat off. Trump picked it up twice and it's just a little thing. It's a little video, but I thought it was, um, really, really cool. And, um, this, this is trending on Twitter right now, this, uh, bet, uh, Best president is trending. So let me just see what Twitter has to say right quick before I end the show. Trump is the best president in American history. Somebody posted a picture of Obama as the best president. Okay. All right. A lot of people are... A lot of people are spamming this hashtag or this trend, best president, with, with Obama. So... Who do you think the best president is? Is it Obama? Is it Trump? Is it Reagan? Who do you think it is? Who do you think it is? But anyway, um, if you're listening to the podcast, you'll get the segment or the video that I did earlier today talking about the military. Um, uh, they are... They uh, removed people from the military, uh, from the Joe Biden um, inauguration thing. And uh, I'll tack that in at the end for you to hear that. But that's the end of the show here on YouTube and Rumble and anywhere else to get the podcast, watch the podcast. Hope you have a great night and uh, pray for this country. We're definitely going to need it and uh, pray for America. Tomorrow is going to be a tough day for everybody. Um, I... I it, it's going to hurt a little bit for me to, to watch. I don't even think I can watch it. Um, like, I may not even watch it. Watch it. I mean, I don't think I'm going to watch it. But, um, I mean, it's it's just a painful moment. And probably one of the saddest days. Like, I don't think the saddest days, but probably one of the saddest days in American history. And, and I really mean that. So, anyway, that's the end of the show. And I'll see you uh, at the Gulag. What is going on guys? Welcome to the first episode of the first video here on 76social.net and um, I wanted to try something different here. Um, I usually do a podcast. I do a podcast on iTunes and Spotify and YouTube and all that kind of stuff but I wanted to make clips here on this on this platform and do news type of videos for you to uh, get a taste of the podcast. So um, I recorded a new podcast yesterday talking about all the stuff that's been happening in the past two weeks. Um, just kind of briefly, not like in depth, but I usually do like an hour to hour and 20 minute podcast, video podcast. I do like Twitter videos and things like that. 
so you can go check that out it's on rumble i would post it on here but it's the videos follows way too long but i wanted to test this out i wanted to see how long of, of, a, of a video i can post here on this platform so um yeah instead of posting a link to this stuff or pictures i wanted to kind of test this video format out so uh downtown dc is turned into a war zone right now here we have um you know we see businesses are boarding up and here's some more pictures and uh, it's crazy it's crazy dude really crazy i mean look at that everything's blocked off you have you know thirty thousand troops up there but i wanted to share this video um or this story here we have two army national guard members tied to right right ring groups removed from mission to secure biden's inauguration so basically they removed two members of the national guard because they were tied to right wing groups um and you know who knows if if they're like how far right you know you don't have to be you know totally on the right uh to be right wing anymore you can be like a tim pool right and you could be a threat to these people um but uh, i've even heard reports that they're checking their social media and if they have anything pro-america or pro-constitution not just pro-trump if they're pro-america then they will be booted out i don't know if that's true or not but according to ryan fournier over on twitter that's what he said uh, so i wanted to play this video right quick to give you a sense of what's going on here it is in the days leading up to the inauguration of President-elect Joe Biden, the, the National Guard have pushed their defensive perimeter around the Capitol, several blocks away from Capitol Hill itself. We came out here to talk to a few National Guard to see what they had to say about it. We got the notification about a week ago. Um, we were called by a readiness NCO saying that we were going to be activated to come down to Washington, D.C. in support of our law enforcement personnel. Um, and about 24 hours later, we were on the street here in Washington, D.C., around uh, our, our assigned area. So when the January 6th um, attack on the on Capitol happened, I was at home. Um, and I was, I was shocked to, to see that at least, um, you know, it's not necessarily something you see every day. Um, of course, what I've read and heard on the news is that this has been you know, the largest assault since the War of 1812 on the Capitol. Um, so it, it, was, uh, it, was, it was a bit of a shock to see. It's actually been pretty enjoyable. Uh, there, we are doing long days, uh, ro rotating on shifts, but overall interacting with the public has been very rewarding. What we're expecting over the next few days is, uh, is up for speculation, really. Um, I mean, we, we do receive intelligence reports um, from our chain of command about possible um, issues that could arise. Um, but for the most part, we, we do trust our leadership and we, we, feel, we feel very, uh, very safe. So no real worries or fears? No, no, not at all, no. Just staying warm. Yeah. When I, when I heard about the attack, um, I had already, we were coming down here for inauguration anyways. So I just figured, well, with this attack going on, we might end up down here sooner. Just so people can peacefully protest, just, you know, presenting ourselves, you know, allows people to do that as a National Guard. Our presence, you know, is just giving people, a, you know, a feeling of safety. And you can see that with people too. And I understand before you were out here on the streets, you were actually on the grounds of the Capitol. What was that like, like actually just, you know, standing post on or inside the Capitol? It was, it was a great feeling. It was, uh, it was cool to be in the area of, you know, just historic, you know, of the United States. And uh, just, it was a surreal feeling. In terms of being armed on the streets of D.C., it's just part of the job. And uh, really, we're out here just so people can be, you know, peacefully get to where they need to go. For expectations in the coming day, it's just day by day. You know, whatever we're told to do, that's what we do. And we just hope that people can pre peacefully go about protesting, you know, voice their, their opinions and their rights. Yeah, there you, there you have it on there. Um, my question is, why are all these troops there? And why are they scared about their political views? It is really scary to me that they're that, that they're that they don't have like they don't trust that they're it's almost like they're paranoid that something's going to happen 
I don't know. Give me your thoughts in the comments. There's, uh, I don't know what's we'll up to see, but it's 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 kind of scary that, um, and I wonder how far right they mean. Like, is it is it QAnon people? I heard it was QAnon, QAnon supporters that uh, they were scared that they might do something, so they yanked them. Uh, so that's what I heard. But I wanted to show you BG on the scene. If you go over on Twitter. Let me refresh this right quick to see if there's any more content from... If you don't follow this guy, you need to go follow him immediately. He posts... He's he's pretty awesome. So here is the earliest video that he had from DC. And look at all of that. All those barricades. What's the point of that? Uh, one of the military checkpoints has been set up right outside of the Hotel Harrington, here in downtown D.C. Also, here's uh, fences and barricades are set up in several areas in D.C. with a massive security perimeter around the White House, Capitol Building, Pennsylvania Avenue, and more in preparation for tomorrow. So, and I even heard that they're checking people's IDs for you to walk down the street. I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. It's just crazy, dude. Here is uh, the fence, and I, and I thought they were against walls and fences and protection, but it, but, but it's against them. Then they they're all for it. That's crazy. It's crazy. Let me see if there's any more videos. I I, I wanted to show you this video over here on Disclose.tv. Anyway, guys, that's the story. What are your thoughts on this? Do you think that they're just being uh, cautious, or do you agree with this, or do you think what's what do you think is going to go down tomorrow? That's what I'm saying. But anyway, uh, if you like this, be sure to hit subscribe or follow wherever you get this. I'm going to upload this to YouTube. If you're on 76 Social and you don't know, I have a YouTube channel. It recently got banned, and that was the inspiration behind creating this platform. Um, I'm going to create more videos on this platform. Also, I'm going to create one or make one pretty soon, walking you through different things you can do on this platform as well. Um, so yeah, you can find my podcast on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube. Just type in Okie Patriot 76 and check it out. So thank you for watching. Have a great day.